You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Save a Pooch on Pet Life Radio. I am your host, Beverly Isla. Thank you for tuning in. Now, this episode will uncover the one job that service dogs do that can make or break human lives. And these are the first response dogs that cover disaster incidents such as search and rescues. And our guest today will be Wilma Melville, founder of Search Dog Foundation and and Wigman, founding member of Search and Rescue Dog of the United States, also a FEMA handler. Now, both Wilma and Anne have done tremendous work training and handling dogs that have been first responders of several natural disasters, including the September 11 disaster at the World Trade Centers, earthquakes, missing persons, and much more. So this show, our guests will walk us through some other things that happen behind the scenes that we may not be aware of. So these dogs truly deserve a standing ovation. And when we get back from these messages, we'll talk with our first guest, Ann Wickman. She's a specialist not only in training dogs to serve in disaster sites, but also setting the standard in canine certification and helping task forces achieve canine certification, as well as being an evaluator for several organizations, including Search and Rescue Dogs of the United States. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Do you know that moment when your dirty dog's about to jump in your nice, clean car? You can avoid all the cleanup and mess with a 4K9 seat cover. 4K9 makes heavy-duty seat covers and cargo liners that will blend seamlessly with the interior of your vehicle. You can find us at 4K9s.com. That's the number 4, K-N-I-N-E-S.com or on Amazon.com. 4K9s makes nothing but the best for your best friend. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Save a Pooch. We are talking with Anne Wickman. Thank you for coming on today, Anne. Thank you so much, Beverly, for having me. You're welcome. You have quite a lineup in your accomplishments basket. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a work of love. Oh, I bet. How did you get involved in training dogs in uh, search and rescue missions? I was a park ranger for 30 years in Boulder, Colorado, and Mm, patrolling by myself. Mm -hmm. I started bringing a dog with me and started training the dog for search. Okay, patrolling first. Okay. And that's how you pretty much decided, oh, well, if I can do that, then I can train dogs. (laughs) Is that what happened? Well, I, I was frankly amazed at how much dogs could help me in the park setting, both in connecting with people and in finding lost people, lost subjects, lost articles. So I just was so impressed with dogs that I went on with it. Okay, because you've helped set in stone some of these standards required to be uh, FEMA certified. And I just recently just kind of figured out what that meant. So can you explain what that stands for and how it contributes to canine training? Yes, I was a wilderness handler for many years. And then when FEMA began to formulate a canine program, I served on the subcommittee that was building that program. Oh, okay. 
What we were looking at is some of the European standards, which at that time had far more experience than we did huh. in disaster response. Really? Um, okay. And Yes. And so we started building a program based on some of the skills that had been identified for Disaster Dog and and those, just in a nutshell, are obedience, agility, oh, okay. the ability to be directed to different locations, having a strong, readable alert that told everyone at the scene that the dog had found someone, and then also oh. having the ability to traverse the rubble piles because they can be quite hazardous and very, very difficult, not natural terrain for a dog. That's what I was thinking. Usually they just run the opposite way. <laughs> now, what is involved in the actual training in the various tasks of search and rescue? I didn't realize there's so many sub-menus, sub I guess, in the search and rescue industry. Yes. As I mentioned, I was a wilderness handler, and so we did water search, I did avalanche, did trailing, mm-hmm. all of which are methods of finding people. But what we added with the FEMA criteria are some of the components that allow the dog to use all that search ability and apply it to a very difficult situation like the World Trade Center. When I was at the World Trade Center, it was, oh, still probably 12, 14 stories tall and very, very horrible rubble, very, very dangerous. It was still on fire. We needed to make sure the dogs could help us as much as they could, but also not be hurt in the process. My gosh, how many dogs did you have with you that day? I searched with Jenner, and then another one of my dogs searched on the night shift. That was Merlin. And so another handler handled Merlin during the search, and I handled Jenner during the day. What was that like? What was that experience like? I couldn't imagine that. Yeah, the World Trade Center, I think anyone that was there, the angst... I'm going to say in the air, the uh-huh. terror, the sadness, the grief, the just raw emotion that was present at that site, as well as the scope of the disaster and the difficulty, mm-hmm. just really made it a very, very hard physical and emotional experience. Were you there for the whole day? They rotated, FEMA rotated the task forces through, and so my task force, the Colorado Task Force, was there for 10 or 11 days, and that's what most of the task forces served, and then they would rotate home and somebody else would come in. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I hope you had some successes for that incident. Yes, yes. The working Jenner on the pile, he, he located a lot of fines and really helped. One of the fire chiefs that came up to me, he just said the dogs are making all the fines. Wow. And we so appreciate it. So oh, that's it, it's, an, it's an easier way for we humans to locate deceased people is to have the dog tell us that the person is there and then we're a little bit more mentally prepared. Mm-hmm. And obviously the dogs are very acutely capable of locating really any scent that we ask them to locate. And so it it really helps the firefighters, the responders to have the dog both locate the area, but also say there is someone there. So get ready. Wow. Okay. Well, I guess what I'm asking is the dogs that are with you, I'm hoping they don't get harmed in the process, do they? I think there are 103 FEMA dogs at the site. 
Yeah. And I believe there were only a couple of cut pads from the glass and the metal. Oh. And so I remember thinking we had been working 10 years at that time on developing the standard and the training curriculum. Mm-hmm. And we were very, very pleased to see that the dogs were very successful and that they were not hurt. And we felt very strongly at that time that we were pursuing the correct training program. Uh, that's amazing to hear. The, what's one of your memorable proud moments with the dogs that you personally trained? I have a couple. I did so much wilderness search that I think one of my proudest moments, it was also with Jenner, the dog I took to the World Trade Center, but okay. he was also a wilderness search dog. And he located a woman who had been lost in the Holy Cross Wilderness for three and a half days, and and so he mm. saved her life, and uh, that has to really be a wonderful memory for me. Yeah, I, I bet, I bet. How do you help task forces get like canine certification? At this point, I have retired from FEMA, and but I'm still offering training and helping people prepare for the FEMA certification. So I'm just actually getting ready for a training seminar at my home. Um, mm. in the next two or three days that's starting and just passing on. I've had so many wonderful teachers, both humans and canines. And so I'm really trying to pass on that knowledge that I've gained from all the experiences I've had. So there are many, many handlers going on, you know, beginning to come into FEMA that are very, very well trained and really able to accomplish the task. Well, that's good that you're still involved, kind of serving as a consultant. Yes, and and I do direct training, and I also still do disaster and wilderness and other response myself. I just don't do it inside the FEMA system anymore. Gotcha. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Anne, for your insight and uh, what you do. I guess there's no retiring for you. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) As as I said, it's a work of love. Exactly. So if the listeners do want to learn more, they can visit SAR Dogs US. I guess that does stand for the um, Search and Rescue Dogs of the United States. So that's S-A-R-D-O-G-S-U-S dot org. They can also go to DisasterDogs.org, right? That's the website. Yes, yes. Sardis has sponsored that site, DisasterDog.org, since inception. So that's a huge contribution to people understanding disaster dog training and skills. Gotcha. Okay. Disasterdogs.org. Well, thank you so much, Anne. You're very welcome, Beverly. I hope you're having a great day. You too. Let's go to a quick break and we'll return with our next guest after these messages from our sponsors. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. It's designerpetsweaters.com, hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Calling all pet product manufacturers and pet experts. 
Let the public relations and marketing professionals at Whitegate PR get you featured in the news. I'm Dana Humphrey at Whitegate PR, and we have been specializing in pet product PR for over 10 years and can get your brand featured in the media from TV to radio to print to blogs. You can find out more at www.whitegatepr.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Save a Pooch. We are talking with Wilma Melville, founder of Search Dog Foundation and one of the FEMA certified canine search specialists who responded to the Oklahoma bombing in 1995. Hi, Wilma. Thanks for taking some time with us today. Hello, Beverly. You've created quite a noble uh, organization. So you went from school teacher to creating the only organization that trains and partners search and rescue dogs with firefighters. So what was behind that desire to jump from school teacher to build Search Dog Foundation. When I went to the Oklahoma City bombing in 1995, yes, I, yes. I was quite uh, surprised to realize that in this entire nation, there were approximately 15 FEMA-certified canine disaster search teams. That number was oh. incredibly low. Now, of course, FEMA had, they had only recently started a couple of years prior yeah. to develop a program. However, think of it, 15 in a nation this size. To give so you a sense teams. of it, that's right, 15 okay. teams. To give you a sense of it, the same year, the country of Switzerland, about the size of New Jersey, yep. had 52 of oh, these geez. same teams. So I thought to myself, I can do something about this. This doesn't have to be this way. The way we were doing it in 1995 was taking about three years or more to create one disaster search team. And I knew that something was the matter with that. How could it possibly take three years? And then no one knew the cost, and a lot of people were falling by the wayside after a couple of years because they finally realized their dog or they themselves were not capable of doing it. Yeah. So I okay. I, uh, I just had a feeling that because of my teaching background, because I had met a professional trainer who had made a tremendous impact, mm-hmm. I knew that, that we could do better. Oh, that, good for so you. So the motivation was to find a better way to train these teams, high quality, what would the cost be, and how long would it really take? That was the motivation. And now that we have a national training center in Santa Paula, but actually between Ventura Uh and between Ventura and the little town of Santa Paula, the Search Dog Foundation has a national training center that we are using every day, but it will open September 24th, 2016. Oh, it's it's just almost brand new. It's coming. And this center is the result of 20 years of experience that the Search Dog Mm -hmm. Foundation has been working in this field. Yeah. I saw some of the pictures of that new project coming along. A year, but we have several good-sized buildings to get built. We have more props to get built. 
Uh-huh. So we have a very busy year in front of us, and we're already in the throes of it. We recently had a wonderful gift from the Petco Foundation. Oh. Now, the Petco Foundation is, of course, related to the Petco stores, but different. Yeah, yeah. And they have awarded us a $2.5 million gift that will complete the largest building on the property. It's called the Petco Foundation Canine Pavilion. A very interesting building because it will house our dogs, but it will have classrooms, offices, vet facilities, many things that both handlers and dogs need. Oh, wow. So this is strictly just for training them, your facility. Absolutely. And larger events, seminars, workshops. There's no doubt that when it comes to canine disaster search, mm-hmm. the search dog is the search dog foundation is a leader in this field. And mm-hmm. where we will go with our new campus, the National Training Center, is pretty hard to tell. Sure, we'll train dogs and handlers, but we'll do more than that. We believe <laughs> we'll create. Yeah, that we, is awesome. we think we'll we'll actually create a a new certification called deployment readiness, something Mm. that goes far past FEMA certification. Right. And there are other ideas along that line. Now, speaking of deployments, out of the ones that you've been involved in, and I see there's been over, you're in the hundreds, are there a couple that stands out that makes you really proud of what you've created? Well, every deployment is different. And yet, the Search Dog Foundation, handlers and dogs have been to 128 deployments in Mm. these years. Now, of course, the World Trade Center will stand out in people's memory, as will Hurricane Katrina. More recently, now, look at those two. You see how different they were. Hurricane Katrina was a poor governmental response, Uh but the area demolished was over a huge, huge area. Whereas the World Trade Center was a huge disaster, an amazing event that changed our nation forever, I think. And yet it was in a well-defined six or eight block area, smaller, equally terrible. Now, recently, I can ask your listeners to think back to Haiti. The Haiti earthquake was Uh quite enormous and then followed not long after by the in Japan having both an earthquake and a tsunami. Uh, oh, did recently, you go to that one? Yes, oh, yes. Wow. Both both Haiti, Japan, and Nepal. The most recent was an international deployment to Nepal. The Los Angeles County Task Force, one of the eight task forces in California, that task force has every dog and handler on that task force is trained by the Search Dog Foundation. Wow. So, uh, yes, it's from large deployments that I've named that will resonate with people down to one car over the side of a freeway or You'll cover that too. one building that might partially collapse for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. Those are the types of things that these uh, dogs and handlers are called out to do. Jeez, good for you, Wilma. How many dogs do you usually take out per deployment? If a deployment is within this country, then four dogs and handlers go with a task force. If it's international, then the number is six. Now, the Search Dog Foundation at this time does not deploy the teams. We train them. We keep them up to par 
over the years they are together, but they are deployed with a task force. Many of the task forces, 28 in the nation, 8 in California, are called federal task forces because FEMA has, you know, part of the origination of the task force and their continued training is paid for by FEMA. Now, Mm. but there are state task forces in a variety of states, Mm -hmm. and we're happy to provide the... uh, the training for both the handler and the dog for state task forces as well. Yes, yes. But how do the procedures work? Because uh, you strictly match the search and dog, rescue dogs with firefighters, right? We, our choice is firefighters to okay. be handlers. To be the and handlers, we, right. Yeah, because firefighters, first of all, when you tell them this is a training regiment, a firefighter understands that because his yes. life, well, when he goes to work on a shift, he goes for training every time. And sometimes they're called out for whether it's a brush fire or mm-hmm. a crash on the freeway, whatever it is. Yeah. They train, train, train all the time. Right. Also, firefighters have time. They work maybe 10 or 11 shifts per month and then that leaves them leaves them 18 to 20 days a month that they can choose what what are they going to do with that time. So um, some of them, not many, but some of them choose canine disaster search. It fits in with their work, and mm, uh, they're they're true. they're awfully they're awfully good at it. Yeah. Now we yeah. have female firefighters as well as male firefighters, so the ladies are also well represented. Go, ladies! Now, I've seen your roster of dogs, and I'm so happy to see you have so many rescue dogs that you've trained. And I really got to ask you, so having taken these rescue dogs and turning them into rescuers, what can you tell us about the stigma behind rescue dogs being broken? Well, people, I hope I don't offend anyone with this (laughs) answer, but it's people who who have let the dog down, not the other Mm -hmm. way around. Right. People will pick up you know, get a nice, cute little puppy with no understanding of the type of commitment that they need to make if that dog is to fit comfortably within their family. Yeah. And a cute little puppy will sometimes grow to be larger than they thought, more boisterous, more energetic. And the dogs, properly trained, properly raised, properly managed, can be a joy. But Many people find it's too much, and so yeah, they dump them into a go. shelter, Yeah, and it's not the dog's fault that he ended up there. What we find is if we can find the particular dog we want, and believe me, that is not easy. But really? Not easy hmm. to find them, not at all. We need a set of characteristics. We need yeah. boldness, yeah. energy, but a tremendous characteristic called drive. That is the main one. A dog who wants a job, a dog who is not going to sit around the house and patiently wait for you to come home to play with him. (laughs) Right. No. Out in the backyard, that dog is going to pull up the bushes and rip out the irrigation because he is driven to have a job. So it's hard to find them in shelters. We are quite expert at doing it. And uh, we have on our website searchdogfoundation.org. Yes. On that website, people can see that the testing, there's about a 20-minute video, and people can see 
what the testing is like should we locate a dog at a shelter and we're doing that you know we're hunting for them all the time okay well that's good that you you do consider that as part of your team really really good so thank you so much Wilma for what you do for your insight we are out of time so if you'd like to know more about Search Dog Foundation you can visit searchdogfoundation.org and thank you to our guest and our show producer Mark Winter for making this show possible if you have any questions comments or ideas for show please email me at beverly at petliferadio.com so until next time let's spread animal compassion let's talk pets Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.